0: The My Baby and Me podcast in
1: association with Nook. I'm Jane Garvey and welcome to the My Baby and Me podcast. We're focusing on a different area of pregnancy and parenthood in each episode of this series. And today it's all about the preparation and getting ready for the day itself. The big day when the baby finally decides they've had enough of being inside your stomach and would quite like to meet the rest of humanity. Well, not everybody, but as many as they can squeeze in. So here to do the talking are the writer and broadcaster Ian McIntosh and the Daily Telegraph's Wonder Woman columnist Beverly Turner, mum of three and the founder of the Blooming Bunch Antenatal Course. What's the Blooming Bunch Antenatal Course?
0: It's, um, have you, you know NCT? Oh, Everyone I knows NCT? So it's similar sort of thing. We're a bit posher, we have better biscuits, we give the fathers booze. Beverly, you've got three children. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are their ages? 11, 5 and 3. And Ian, you've
1: just got one, you've yes. got no <laughs> problems. It. You've got one three-year-old. One
2: three-year-old year old daughter
1: okay um so you've been through it just the once but yes. i bet everything every detail is busy. seared to my mind excellent well we'll come to you in a second uh beverly do you remember after three children i've had two but three which of the births do you remember most clearly do you do you think
0: i can remember them all very clearly actually um and they were all uh they were all great i had great births largely because i was really quite geeky about it and just did lots of research and wanted to put myself in the best position where I knew that I could have a baby as straightforwardly as possible. And you had them all in hospital? No, I haven't had any of them in hospital. I had the first one at a birth centre, which is no longer there. And it was one of the few standalone birth centres in London that was started by an amazing woman called Professor Caroline Flint, who was one of the kind of global... Um, sort of leaders in the the idea of active birth and so that it's something that women do rather than something that is done to them and it gave me and all the women who were able to use her services um, continuity of care so you knew who would be delivering your baby which is a massively important aspect of for women who are giving birth and then I had the second two at home because first time was so straightforward so second time around I frankly couldn't be bothered to go anywhere so I had them both at home. In the where? In the... In the. L- <laughs> no, I'm just I'm thinking, You've done I'm, that icky face well, that people I'm, do I'm when sorry. they always say. Well, I'm, bit, I'm thinking spillages. No, I had them both in the water. I had um, inflatable birth pools in the lounge, which. Yeah, please what, big, uh, hang on, big flat screen telly in the corner, yep. cocktail bar or cabinet, whatever you've yep. got there, and then a great big inflatable birth thing. Yes, which means, uh, you see, there's a big birthplace study last year, which demonstrated that actually for second time mothers, there is no increased risk whatsoever to have your second baby at home, neither increased risk to mother or baby. Um, second time mums, we should be routinely offering them a home birth as their first choice rather than suggesting they have the babies in hospital. So for me, knowing that, it was safest. I felt safer at home. And you'd had no complications. There was absolutely nothing no. that marked you out as somebody that anybody ought to be concerned about. Nothing. And no. I think that's really important. There are some women for whom, if they have medical conditions, that, that isn't an option for them. So uh, the births you had at home, were they, I know it's difficult, but were they nicer than the birth in the birth centre? No doubt about it. They They hurt less partly because it was number two, but also studies show that if you are relaxed and you feel safe and you feel calm, you don't feel pain in the same way that you will if you're in, in a, an environment. I, I think it's, it's quite interesting that the science behind it basically is that obviously we are mammals. If we are going to labour, we have to produce the hormone oxytocin. Oxytocin is stopped by adrenaline. So if we were giving birth in a cave and we walked out of that cave and a woolly mammoth came along our labour will stop, that is fact because it is not in our interest to birth when the woolly mammoth might eat you or your baby and what happens now is that women go into our labour often at home, they feel safe they feel warm, they feel comfortable, they go into a hospital setting, they walk into, out and they're in the car, where are we going to park the car, who am I going to meet they walk in, they're screaming down the corridor the lights are on, they don't feel, they don't have those mammalian conditions that we need of privacy and dark and safety and so their labour stops in its tracks, which is a sensible thing for our bodies to do, and then the midwife will say, oh, I'm sorry, love, you're not progressing, go home again. They go home again, they go into labour again, they start to contract again, they feel safe, they go back in. By this point, they stop again, their labour can often stop, they then feel demoralised, at which point the midwives will say, we'll just... We'll just speed things up a little bit. And that's often when you then get into the And then it the really spiral. hurts. And then it really hurts because an induction birth is the most painful thing you can imagine. And Ian, this that's, is where... Yes,
1: that's exactly what my wife But you were just there. Um, so what, what happened to your wife? She was overdue.
2: Um, she was overdue by a full two weeks, a period of time that spookily was ended when she looked down at her lump and shouted, get out, get out, I've had enough. <laughs> Um, and a few hours later, <laughs> I, I've cleaned up the conversation. The the real version was, yeah yes okay. I would I didn't even know she knew those words. <laughs> um, and a few hours later, she went into labour, and as Beverly was saying, into the hospital, and everything had stopped. And then we were back home. And then, um, uh, brilliantly, just as the Champions League final kicked off, um, oh, it, I know. Can you believe it's so inconsiderate? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm dead now, aren't I? Um, did you get we were,
1: Did you get verbally abused during the Course of the birth?
2: No, not not that I recall. I think I had um, opted for the the strategy of not saying anything unless asked, um, and certainly not making any what I may have thought were sensible solutions, but were stupid things. It's quite, I stayed very quiet.
1: Yeah, it's quite difficult for you to know um, how this experience was for your wife uh, as she as she went through this. But what do you think she would say if she were here? Did she feel supported? Did she feel that she was getting the help she needed?
2: I think there were moments where she certainly didn't. Um, there were moments. I mean, the the labour. We were in the hospital at nine p.m. on the Saturday. Um, is the, this is in
1: London or somewhere uh, else.
2: This was in South Shields right. in the northeast. So a bit quieter um, than a
1: London hospital. Might a be.
2: lot quieter, save for the screams of the woman in the room next door who was having a very very difficult birth, which which probably did not help mm. with the whole adrenaline yeah. thing. Um, and then the induction where they have a certain rub inside. Um, Sweet. I'd, a sweep, that's the word I was looking for They have a sweep
1: No woman forgets that word, sweep Yes,
2: yes, it's a, a most inglorious procedure um, And uh, and then that was it You're sort of left there to wait and wait and wait And there was a period at about four in the morning Where the pain was beginning to intensify But... Um, you know the the nurses there have heard it all before, so so many times, and I should say that the staff at South Shields were absolutely wonderful, but there's always going to be a period in the procedure where you know you're you're not very happy. um It actually went on until about four p m um, the next day it was a very, very long labor, and it was not a very comfortable one. Um, there were suction machines and cutting and tearing and all sorts of horrendous things.
1: but when your daughter was born. That was at four o'clock that afternoon. So yeah. the whole process had been going on now for really a
2: very, very Getting long time. Getting on for twenty four hours, yeah. I mean
1: I, I um, would imagine that you'd have probably had a fantasy about what that moment where you're lovely, if you're fortunate enough, if your lovely, happy, healthy child is born. Um, we all, we have all had those fantasies. Did it live up? Was it like that I've got to say, 20,
2: 20 minutes beforehand, um, with my wife, you have to imagine being in stirrups with her legs up above a tiled floor um, where a doctor was sort of kneeled down like a wicketkeeper awaiting a, a fast ball. Um, and then for some reason the doctor left the room and it was just me and my wife and I have very sensibly taken a top half option. I was just going to stay at the top half and be supportive. But with the doctor out of the room and the hard tiles and the legs in stirrups, <laughs> I felt that I should go into wicketkeeper position what just happened? in case. Just
1: cut to the chase. It was all right.
2: It was absolutely fine, but I, it meant that I was in wicketkeeper position, looking up at what appeared to be my wife slowly turning herself inside out, <laughs> or, or like the Sarlacc, if you've seen Return of the Jedi. It was. Um, it's. It's not something you can forget very, very easily. Um, it was. Uh, I mean, just for me, it was a traumatic event, and it wasn't even happening to me. I dread to think on what level it must have traumatised my wife. But, to cut to the chase, when the baby came out, it was, uh, she, she, she was put onto my wife's chest, and it was like watching a butcher kind of drop a bag of meat down. It was just this pink, <laughs> fleshy, blood-covered thing that just lay there very, very still for a moment, and then all of a sudden came to life like this anim- animatronic doll with tiny, tiny dark <laughs> eyes. At which point I did, I think, what any red-blooded man would do, and I burst into tears. Like a little girl lost in a supermarket, wow, that's um, really sweet. and it wasn't even it was just i pff, I have nothing uh, I just went into complete meltdown I should
1: say at this point i've had I've had two children, but both were elective cesareans mm. now that was because actually they were both breech babies mm. um and actually i I don't know how I feel. I don't know any other way of giving birth. My only experience is of being in an operating theatre, being, I have to say, brilliantly well supported on both both occasions. The second time was easier because it happened at exactly the time it was supposed to be happening, 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Uh, But the first time I'd gone in the day before, which was a Friday, and they ran out of theatre space Mm. for me. So I'd been prepared for theatre at 7 o'clock in the morning. And in the end, was sent home at seven o'clock that night, having only been allowed to suck on an ice cube for twenty oh. seconds. And I was starving. I came home and ate. I remember this the biggest a mountain of pasta. Uh, and they were so they were, I think they genuinely <laughs> felt a bit sorry for me. So they did deliver my. They actually. So the next morning, yeah. Saturday, they had me back in for an elective, which I think is quite unusual. But I think they just thought this yeah. poor soul. At Nook, we believe our job is to make your life easier. For over 60 years, we've been listening to midwives, doctors, dentists, and most importantly, parents. Only by listening have we been able to deliver a range of products that is specifically designed to satisfy the needs of mother and baby in those precious early years. To find out more about the full range of Nook products, visit our website at www.nook.co.uk. Nook, understanding life. You run a particular sort of antenatal class, um, the Blooming Bunch. I, I went to the NCT. Did you Did you do that, Ian?
2: We didn't, actually, no. No classes at all? No, no classes okay. at all. Do
1: you think that's, I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously you believe
0: some classes are a good idea, but I think it's a really good idea because you have to consider, there's lots of things you can do. There's loads of things you can do practically. A, you can look into your options for having a birth attendant that you're going to know, be an independent midwife. It might be a private obstetrician that you want. It might be that some units will have case loading, so you will know your midwife. Some people Some hospitals even in London will do that. You need to do um, a course of either natal hypnotherapy, hypnobirthing very deep relaxation techniques which will keep you calm and keep your adrenaline down, keep your oxytocin flowing. You need to really think about positions because, actually, so many, you know, gravity is our friend in labour. Gravity is our friend yeah, and I mean, we lie women it, flat on their it backs. It doesn't make sense, that, does it? It doesn't make any sense. And do you know the history of this? We Can I tell you the history of lying women on is their backs? Is it going backs? to be really depressing? No, it's it's fascinating. Cool. So Louis XIV was a bit of an old perv and he said that women in court should lie on their backs to have babies. Before Louis XIV, women commonly gave birth, squatting on all fours, etc., supported by much more female natural, birth surely. attendants, completely yeah. natural. He used to peek from behind a curtain because he wanted to see what was happening. And it got out into the streets that the women at court gave birth on their backs. And so then women at... Out, the, the the masses would say, in, you know, in the court they give birth on their backs. They would start to do the same. And then, of course, not long after, you have forceps are invented and then it's more convenient for men to pull babies out.
2: That's insane
0: And if you think about it Your pelvis is 30% narrower If you're right on your down. back on yeah. a bed So you need to get upright You need to get your legs apart You need to squat You need to hold on for dear life And roar like a lion which you do see if you watch One Born Every
1: Minute. Um, I'm actually wondering whether there is going to be an entire generation of women giving birth in this country who will know a bit more yeah, about I the reality. So. Ian, did, did you see that programme? Did you did you watch One Born Every Minute? I,
2: yeah, I did. I didn't like it. I found it a bit traumatic. Um, beforehand, it wasn't something that I wanted to watch and afterwards it was definitely something I didn't want to remind me of what I'd already seen.
1: The good thing about courses, whether they're NCT classes or courses that like the ones that you run, um, it does does give you the opportunity to meet other people. And actually, the truth is you'll you'll have your old friends, but they may not necessarily be pregnant at the same time totally. as
0: you. You're going to need someone to have a cup of tea with completely it's one of the most important and i'm i totally aware of that they can listen to everything that we talk about in our sessions but ultimately the biggest benefit is going to be making a group of friends that you will then have those me too conversations with and in fact one of um, the group that finished last night they've got a whatsapp group going so they're all on the same whatsapp feed so we've even been having whatsapp messages from one of the women who is currently in labour
2: now now, right now now as
0: we speak which is really cool you know they're sharing that experience with each other all the time and that camaraderie is keeps you
2: sane
1: yeah
0: and you missed out on this you don't think that was i mean why didn't you
1: go to a club
2: we were in different circumstances again we were in the northeast we had the midwife of the doctor's surgery um (laughs) who we saw every couple of weeks um and she was wonderful and she allayed any fears that we had we had the Almost open day, I guess, at the local NHS hospital where there were lots of other parents and we were shown all the alternatives. And I think we were very, just very laissez faire with the whole thing anyway. We just, you know, wanted to go and do it. And it's,
0: it's a really fascinating because I always find it so interesting the women and the couples who come to the course, because dad's come to all of our sessions as well, which is this idea that you're laid back which is great sometimes that's tipped over into denial I think for a lot of women it isn't really happening so we won't address it um, and then you have the ones who will come and, and drop you an email or give you a call when they just had their first scan and they want to get on it and this is uh, there's um, a bit of research done about like the people who are self determiners I think they're called self determinators I think it was in, in terms of birth and they often have a better outcome because they take right. control of the situation and they will say right this is what I want I'm going to try and get it it may not go right it may not go according to plan you know sometimes our bodies play tricks on us and it might be that um the position of the baby is wrong that you um you can't have the birth that you intended to have but actually, so often the women who have a good experience, have a positive birth, will say, I knew what was happening. I knew the options they were offering me. It was my decision. And, and that's why they feel like they've had a, a great birth. I don't want to be uh, negative. In fact, I think it's really, really important that we say,
1: and, and Ian has come closest to saying it because you, you admitted you burst into tears when your daughter was born, that um, men, sometimes women, go on about what an easy life men have. But actually, I feel sorry for men because they will never know that I mean it it can't even begin to describe
0: it that high you have given birth I know and I would especially my middle one was born in the water and in, in Sunshine Midday on Mother's Day. I mean, it was pretty cracking. And I'll, I've never had a high like it. I mean, I was off my face on gas and air. That <laughs> helped. <laughs> the midwife literally had to wrestle the canister out of her hand as she left later that day because I think that everyone You're still should, taking it? Oh, I, if I could, I'd take it every day. I think every <laughs> kitchen should have a tiny little canister <laughs> on the wall for when your husband's stressing you out. You just go... <sighs> on <laughs> the gas and gas. air. Oh, yeah. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, but, you know, it is incredible to be able to do that. and And we've sort of lost sight of how blooming amazing it is that we do this as women that we grow these babies and then we manage to get them out of our bodies it's it's incredible so it's a difficult one this ian but if you could
1: crystallize the most important bit of advice for a dad to be on the day of the birth let's forget the next 120 years however long this next generation are going to live for what about the day they're born what should a father expect what can he do
2: uh, the most important thing is to remember this is not about you. You are there as support staff. Your ideas are probably not going to help. Your jokes are probably not going to be funny. This is not about you. Just be there.
0: I'm Beverly. For the birth itself, yeah. Uh, prepare beforehand. Do some. Well, actually, can you know too much? No, you can't know too much. I don't think you can in terms of birth. You can't know too much. I think you can have too much of the wrong information, so you can have too much of scary movies where women are giving birth in the back of taxis. You can have too many horror stories from friends. You can have too many episodes of one by every minute. You need to fill yourself up with positivity about birth before you get there. Um, Do a a course of either natal hypnotherapy, hypnobirthing. Get yourself into the position where you have confidence in your body and also look at where you want to have your baby. Where would you feel safest? Is it at home? Is it in a birth centre? Is it a hospital ward everybody is different and everybody's needs for that environment to be perfect are different and aim high you know we often say to women oh the problem is with women who have bad births they have very high expectations well when else in life do we tell women to aim low just aim low don't aim low aim high you're worth it it's an amazing day and you deserve to have a great experience be that the elective section on the day that you want it or be that the home water birth well,
1: I hope what people have picked up on from all this is that what really matters is we're all individuals and it's a positive birth is what is right for you or as good as it can be for you. And if the result is a healthy, happy baby, then your quid's in. Um, that's fine. That's what we all really want. Um, thank you so much, Beverly Turner and Ian McIntosh. They're both on Twitter. It's at Ian McIntosh, at Beverly Turner. And if you'd like to find out more about Bev's Blooming Bunch antenatal classes, you can head to thebloomingbunch.co.uk uk now if you like what you've heard please do share this podcast with your fellow parents-to-be on facebook you can find the rest of our episodes on itunes i'm jane garvey and thank you very much for listening goodbye you've been listening to the my baby and me podcast in association with nook visit us at nook.co.uk